Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Botts, the CEO and founder of Good Leadership Enterprises. And I'm Olivia Peterson. And I'm Johan Jenvik, and we're both from Gallagher. Gallagher is a worldwide employee benefits and global risk consultancy. You make that sound so interesting. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. So we're recording this in the Aspiration Suite of our offices in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we coach leaders and their teams how to grow their businesses with goodness. In short, our team coaches your team through the transformation to the next level of performance. Uh, Olivia, you're a new voice on this Goodness Pays Leadership Podcast. Will you tell everyone how you actually got here? Yeah, so... As he said, we're both from Gallagher, and I was actually a summer intern. And I think about three weeks into my internship, I came into work, and there was the book, How Goodness Pays, on my desk. And my manager told me that Johan was going to be hosting kind of a book group or of some sort, and I was told to read it. And so after I read it, I really enjoyed it. And I, as you can see by my book with all the tabs, I took a lot of notes, and like I said, I enjoyed it. And so then Johan asked if I would like to come on the podcast today, and I said, of course. And so, yeah, we actually just met today. Yeah, well, I, and it was fun to see you come in with my book, <laughs> all those little Post-it notes, and that, that that's unusual. So, um, Johan, you know, how, how do you fit into this? South? How did you and I meet? Will you tell everybody how that happened? Yep, you and I met through a board development you did for a nonprofit I serve on. And uh, I got to know the Good Leadership Breakfast after that, and I've been hooked ever since. And it's just been awesome to see how goodness has radiated through the business community, and that's really been a catalyst. Yeah, well, thank you all for taking some time. It's a beautiful Friday morning in summer in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and we this is uh, it's it's hard to get people to work on days like today. Um, so yeah, th- the fact that you're here, Olivia, is part of the. Um, fact that this is the Young Leaders Week at Good Leadership Enterprises. So let me explain. We've been producing um, a leadership development breakfast series called the Good Leadership Breakfast. Uh, Johan just talked about it a second ago. And once a year, we do a meeting where all the older leaders <laughs> who have a ticket to the breakfast are obligated to bring a young leader to the breakfast. Last year, we had 115 young leaders that we're looking forward wow. to somewhere between 150 and 200 this year. So that happens next Friday. And next Friday, after that breakfast, we will do another podcast. We'll use our strategy called Monday Morning Quarterback, where one of our colleagues will debrief the talk that we hear from Alvin Abraham. Mm -hmm. But all this week, I've been writing about and talking to and interviewing young leaders to get their perspective on what's going on in terms of in their heads around how goodness pays. And so mm-hmm. when I mentioned this to Johan, he said, you know what, I've got this bright young star named Olivia. <laughs> By chance, are you going to be at that breakfast next Friday? Yeah, I'm actually going to be at that breakfast and I can't wait. It will be my first one. Certainly not the last one. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, that's really great that you're coming to the breakfast. I will make sure that you, Olivia, get to meet Alvin. But before we get too deep into this interview... I want to talk just a little bit about the book that we wrote. Um, My friend Paul Hillen and I met when he was an executive coaching client of mine 14 years ago. And he was in a situation where his career was a little bit in jeopardy because of how he treated people. And we became fast friends as I helped him understand how leading with goodness could help him get even better business results because his results were fantastic. He was just sort of being driven out of the culture by how he behaved. So then years later, we connected and through a cooperation of some very powerful people, Richard Davis at US Bank and Greg Page at Cargill, they literally funded uh, a study that led to this particular book. When the book came out in November, 
we um, asked many people from our tribe to become goodness champions, to buy 25 books and spread the goodness. And Johan, you <laughs> were one of those champions, right? I was, and I may have been the first goodness champion, which I was excited and honored to do. And what I did with my books was, as Olivia shared, on an annual basis, I'm asked to host a book study with our interns. And I didn't want to just do the same book we've done year over year about how to place a particular product, which is really helpful knowledge for our sales interns. What I wanted to do is share what you have put together with Paul Hillen about how goodness pays. And it's about doing good because it's the right thing to do. And oh, by the way, it does pay. Well, perhaps this is the book now that you do over and over and over yeah. year after year after year. Okay, so that's great. So, um, Olivia, I'm just dying to know, um, what was your experience um, with this book study? But first, before you actually read it, when you heard the words, goodness pays, what did that mean to you? What, what did you think this book was going to be about? Well, in school, we learn all about ethics, and it was really reiterated through my internship, and so I thought it was just going to be mostly related to that. For me, I thought it meant doing what is right for the customer and the client and putting their needs before your own agenda. So that's more how my idea of it was focused, to really sum it up to me. It just meant having pure intentions and being clear about those intentions with everyone and doing the right decision business-wide leads to better payoffs. I, I think that's pretty astute. We forgot to say that you are a golden gopher at yeah. the University of Minnesota. That's important around here. We got to make sure we say that. So um, I'm fascinated that you had a concept of goodness that, that for the most part aligns with what we did. Yeah. Probably the most important thing we found in the research for the book is a definition that all of the business leaders that we worked with on this project could agree on. And that definition of goodness is when people thrive together in a culture of encouragement, accountability, and positive teamwork. Mm -hmm. So then with that definition up front, you actually got into this book. And I'm just really curious to find out what the two of you thought about as you started to do this book study. I mean, Johan, would you tell us a little bit about how you introduced this and what your strategy was for the book study? Well, it was really dictatorish. I told them that they had to take a chapter and report back to the group in a whole. Joking aside, I introduced, I introduced this book, you, Paul Botts, yep. and Paul Hillen, and the time that you took in researching this, proving it out, the interviews that you did, and why I thought it would be impactful for their internship in seeing that goodness does pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I may as well fill in here that uh, for our listening audience, it, the, the research project took more than three years from the time we started it till the time we ended it. And it took a year for us to get people to actually agree to be a part of it. Mm. We were stunned. We thought this whole thing would take 18 months. And we just realized that goodness is a loaded word. It comes with a lot of connotations that some people were just... Had, they had lots of questions, lots of reservations before they were willing to get on board a project that talked about goodness and business at the same time. So that was as much of the revelation as possible. That, you know, that One of the most powerful revelations is probably what I should say better. So, um, Olivia, I'm assuming um, that you got assigned a chapter then? Yes, okay. I was assigned at chapter six, which yep. is actually the team-based culture chapter. Okay, I remember reading it, and halfway through it's like, this is the heaviest and longest chapter. And I'm like, of course, this is the one. Yeah, I get well, you're, a you're an overachiever. <laughs> we know that, yes. So, yeah, I enjoyed chapter six. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask you here in just a second, 
what it is that you learned about chapter six. But before I do that, I'm just going to tell our listening audience what the what we basically found out with the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we identified five goodness pays factors that came up through the interviews that we did and also were validated by a, a, um, an online study of 900 executives. And we found that organizations that do these five things have an 81% chance of meeting and exceeding their financial goals. And so in order, number one is they had a compelling plan, a plan that generated excitement in people in the business. Two, they had a culture where profitability was something that people felt like was healthy for everybody, not just owners and executives. The third one is what you just talked about. They have to have a team-based culture where the concept of we is rewarded more than the concept of me. The fourth is that decisions are made in a timely and transparent fashion. We call it timely and transparent decision-making. And the fifth one is probably the non-starter, and we call it magnetic ethics. And it's the idea that we attract the kind of people that we behave like. And so magnetic ethics is where leaders set a very high standard of ethics, and they live up to that and role model it. So then you ended up with the chapter that was all about a team-based culture. So um, I, I want to do a time check here quickly. Johan, you have to go off and see a client here pretty soon, right? I do. So we're trying to figure out when you need to exit. Can you still hang around for a little while? I can. Okay, so if if possible, I'd like you to recreate the conversation that you had about the team-based culture. And what Olivia's doing right now is just opening up her book. You can probably hear it. There's yeah, all these sorry, little post-it second. notes there. This is kind of exciting. We don't usually have ambient audio in our podcast, do we, Ian? And if I can piggyback on your comments about the book... It's really clearly laid out in the book that common sense isn't common practice. Yes. Yeah. But we're really fortunate that you wrote the book to back up the anecdotal statement that common practice or common Common sense sense. isn't common practice. Yes. And not only that, but in our coaching work, just just last week, we, we had a group of middle managers in a large organization, and we asked them to rate the company on this particular um, thing we call the goodness pays score. And... They gave themselves a score, and then we asked the senior executives to give themselves a score. And on a 10-point scale, there was a 2.5 gap between what the senior executives saw and the managers saw. And the managers were lower by 2.5, and that is significant. That's 25%. And so what the managers were seeing was not matching the reality that the leaders saw on those five things. And that's where the, uh, the work that we do is so darn important. It starts with building that sense of team. And so you're, now you're the expert in the room on the, the team-based culture. So what did you learn, Olivia? I think I'm going to go over what stuck out to me the okay, most. So please. we're all sales interns, so we're extremely competitive. Uh-huh. And so especially with our young age, I think it's we all were very focused on me, me, me at the beginning of uh-huh. the internship. Uh-huh. And I think that's why Johan had us read this book earlier in the summer so we could take what we learned from it and uh-huh. apply it throughout okay. the summer. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think this was kind of our heaviest discussion, yep. wouldn't you mm-hmm. say so, yep. Johan? I, I absolutely agree. And so I think my biggest takeaway or my favorite part was learning about superhero leadership, uh-huh. how it can be super intoxicating. And I think a lot of us considered ourselves, we come into the internship, we're like, we're the superhero leader. And it feels good, but in reality, that shouldn't be my goal and that's not what I want uh-huh. anymore. Uh-huh. And that was one of my takeaways is that being a team player, supporting each other and not being a superhero leader is going to create me or is going to help me 
be the most successful employee and coworker. Well, that comes from this basic idea that what kind of energy you put out there comes back to you. Mm -hmm. And if you're putting out me, 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 superhero energy, no one wants to help you. Yeah. They want to say, okay, oh, yeah, well, prove it to me. And if you kind of fall over, I'll probably laugh at you instead of help you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Johan? To Olivia's point, like you said, it's being others focused. Mm -hmm. And that's the most impactful. And that is an attractive, magnetic leadership trait. Yeah. So what else do you, you got a lot of highlighting? Yeah, on I here. want to read what I have highlighted because this is something I really like. It says, goodness certainly requires courage and conviction, but goodness does not depend on any one individual leader's authoritative, heroic style anymore. And that was something I also wanted to take away is that it isn't always easy to be good and make the right decisions, but I think this whole book is really motivating to have that set out as a goal too. And so going further into it is... The chicken, the super chicken, super chicken research. <laughs> something yeah. we uh-huh. talked a lot about. Uh-huh. So, yeah, some takeaways really are is focusing on what your style is and setting those goals so you are a better team-based culture. And so this is when my idea of goodness really started to shift. I thought it was all about your relationship with your client and who you're working with. But it's a te- It's more of goodness shows in your team culture and that's when that was one of my favorite things too is focusing on it's not just important what you're doing with your clients but how you're treating who you work with and your everyday communication with them well okay so what you're describing is the concept of thrive together Mm -hmm. and the super chicken research is probably the most vivid thing that we cited in the entire book yeah um uh, the one minute story about this is at purdue university they were trying to we're working with an agribusiness giant and they were trying to produce the highest producing chickens so they could produce more eggs to lower the cost of egg production so they did a longitudinal study with a whole bunch of cages of chicken and they thought that they could pluck the most Highest performing chickens out of each cage, keep putting them together and keep putting them together and produce this super chicken. But the longitudinal study found out that the super chickens, what they really did was kill each other. Mm -hmm. They were super competitive and they stopped helping one another. And what happened is that the highest producing chickens actually came from combining and recombining the highest producing cages. And those were chickens that actually knew how to help one another succeed. And that has become the model in the industry now. And so mm-hmm. we just love the superhero, excuse me, the super chicken research because many organizations are out there trying to find the absolute best salespeople they can find. Yep. And in the aggregate, that sounds like it makes sense. But when you actually put them together, the competitive energy sends the wrong message internally and externally and they subperform. Yeah. That's how we think about executive teams too. It happens often when a business is struggling. And they think they just need that one person to change the mix. And they, sub- they send the message that, boy, when you come here, you, that's going to be the mix. And they walk in thinking of themselves as the super chicken. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to add on to that point because there was really an inflection point in our summer with our interns, as Olivia alluded to. And what I saw really change from there was collaboration and teamwork. But the outcome was pretty incredible. So over nine weeks, our interns come in. They spend a week in Chicago at our headquarters. They come back, and then they're developing a, a, a presentation that they end up presenting to our senior leadership team, the CEO, C- CFO, COO of Gallagher. That's a pretty which rare is, experience. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, so awesome. A $7 billion publicly traded entity. Yeah. And we've got that FaceTime with our interns to our senior leadership team. And I would love to attribute it 
from learnings from this book and what we saw was the intern teams coming together. Olivia was on a team on our property casualty side of the business and we had another team on our benefit side that I was directly involved with. Both teams gelled amazingly after that and putting back, putting their presentations together. And Olivia's team actually came in second overall out of 40 teams. That's amazing. That, that's actually a good point. I, I didn't think about it that way, but that is true. I think at the beginning of the summer, it was a little more of a struggle to connect because we're all from different backgrounds, different schools, and we are all competitive with each other because that's just who we are. And so I think it did shift and it was more, how can we help each other? How can we support each other? How can we not be super chickens and end up killing each other throughout this yeah. difficult process? And that's true. The results did show. Goodness did pay with the second place. And our other team made it to the semifinals. And I think that is true. I think that is having to do with this book and what we learned from it. Well, you know, this is a good transition because I know you have to leave, Johan. But I want to ask you before you leave. Um, you, uh, you've been out in business now, you've been, uh, consuming these messages about goodness. Where in your personal experience do you believe you know for sure that goodness pays? I think it's a posture that people have to take, that they want to see the goodness in others, the goodness in a process, the goodness in an organization. And as a result, I believe that they radiate goodness. Funny, prior to us getting together to talk about the book study, I was driving into the office and I popped a tire. And I was on the side of the road, on the interstate, in a safe situation. I called roadside assistance and they said it was going to take 75 minutes for someone to come and change my tire. I've got the interns, they're going to be waiting for me. Mm -hmm. I don't need to wait 75 minutes for someone to come and change my tire. I started to change my tire. Well, I haven't changed a tire in about 20 years. <laughs> Most people have never done one, so there you go. Uh -huh. So the car kept on falling off the jack because the tires were going back and forth. And on the side of the road, I Googled how to change a tire. And there is a website, how to change a tire for dummies, and it says to block your tires. Well, long story longer, I ended up putting the e-brake on. I finally got it on the fifth try, got the tire swapped out, drove 50 miles an hour, to a tire repair shop by our office and then took a lift to the office. And I was four minutes late for the interns. And I said, this is gonna be a great story because I could have chose to pack it in and reschedule or cancel, but I wanted to show them that you could have let that tire blowing out ruin your day, or you could overcome that and show up. And that's what we did. There and we go. had a great discussion on the super chicken. Olivia, you have an awesome role model. Yeah. Well, we'll let you go uh, see your client, and then we can get into the real story here with <laughs> Olivia, okay? Well, I'd say you were pretty lucky to have been a part of this program, and Johan's left now, so you can tell me the real story about how this whole thing went. So what was your favorite part about the book study in the context of your internship? So uh, when we first got the book, it was actually exactly what I was looking for. And so as Johan said, we all got assigned chapters. But I think the reason I kind of went all in is, like I just said, it was exactly what I was looking for. As I enter the workforce in the next year, as a salesperson, I know sales has the reputation of kind of being slimy and stuff like that. And so I thought I would find a lot of value in focusing on ethics and goodness and things like that. And that's really one of my takeaways. And so what I enjoyed the most about my conversation with the other interns, there's seven of us. And so we all have extremely different ideas of things. And so 
I think what really happened is we dove into our personal values during this too. Sure, and that's I think good. That came out a lot in some of our questions. Something we talked about that's in the book is: Would you take a twenty percent pay decrease uh-huh. if it meant that? you wouldn't get laid off and no one would get laid off. And Mm -hmm. that was something, one of our conversations that we really dove into where we Mm -hmm. took stuff from the book, but also from our personal life and from our professional life. And so. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you go to college to learn to be someone when you grow up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what is that picture in your head? Who are you trying to be when you grow up? I think it has changed a lot since this internship. And, but I think whatever industry I go into, preferably some sort of sales, Mm -hmm. I want to be respected. And so something we learned all summer long is all you have is your reputation. Mm -hmm. And so something that is important to me now that I didn't know at the beginning of this is I want to be seen as a good person. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds cliche because that's exactly what we're talking about, but I want to be known for doing business in a good way. And I want my coworkers to respect me and I want my clients to respect me and I want my friends and family that I meet to respect me. And so I think what I really want to be is a respected, honest, and successful salesperson. Okay, so you want to go into sales. Yeah. <laughs> and not necessarily all leadership lessons translate directly into sales, yeah. but that was your your challenge was to figure that out. So um, mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit about the chapter that you were assigned, the team-based mm-hmm. culture. What else in this book did, that, did you highlight, pull out, that you thought was important to help you be that person that you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, something super Interesting to me, I'm not going to flip through my million post-it notes, as you can see, but <laughs> being really clear with your business plan. Mm-hmm. That's something I had never really thought about before. And I, you take a million business classes, and I'm sure they hit on it in one of the lectures where I'm sitting on my computer or something yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> in the back of a University of Minnesota class with 300 students. But I think I, that's when I really started to dive in. I was like, hey, I'd never thought of this before. And I think being completely honest and clear and asking myself those four questions that mm-hmm. were in there is something that I'm completely going to take moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to share it with the people around me because I think not only will that make me look respected, mm-hmm. but I think could help them as well. And so that's something I'm really taking away is having that completely clear business plan because one of the things is wouldn't you break down walls for a leader? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the lines. Wouldn't yep, you break yep. down walls for a leader that's so clear with you where you know exactly where you want to go? And yep. so that's another yeah, thing I'm really so the, taking Yeah, so the forward. idea of a compelling business plan is one where people know where they fit and why they matter mm-hmm. and how they're going to thrive by committing themselves to it. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is that I look across this table and I have kids your age. <laughs> And the, at, at any moment in time, they have all involved their parents in different ways in their plan. And the yeah. piece of the compelling plan is making sure that you're building the plan with the people that you hope to help execute it with you. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating because that is not how business planning necessarily is taught or thought about in many of our organizations that we work with. Mm -hmm. In fact, we have this survey that we use with teams and only 54% of the teams that we survey the first time Mm -hmm. actually have a compelling plan, which basically means half don't. Yeah. And the way we help them get to a compelling plan place is that we ask them to involve more people. Mm-hmm. The more people that have insight into it, that can see their contributions, feel their voice, mm-hmm. and, and feel like they had their hands in it, the more likely they are to say they think it's compelling. If yeah. they think it's compelling, they'll give the extra effort to make sure it succeeds. Yeah, and then they're feeling connected to that, and they're really willing to work harder for the organization in the long run. Yeah, well. so I'm just going to put you on the spot. You've got this plan. Mm-hmm. You've got this vision. You want to be a successful salesperson. You have one more year of school left. Yep. Okay, so you're building the plan for how to get there, right? Mm-hmm. So who are you going to involve in uh, building your compelling plan? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Yeah, come on, think about it. You I can do, do it. have to keep my parents involved as well mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. even though I am an adult now, I still really value their opinion. 
I also have a really close group of I'm in a sales club at school, and okay, so I think sense. that's kind of my professional network right there. And yep. so I think even talking to my sales coach mm-hmm. and my best friend on the sales team, and I think they're going to be a part of my plan. Yep. Probably Johan, honestly, as well. We've yeah, really there connected. you go. That makes sense. I think he is now someone I would consider one of my mentors on the benefit side and also a mentor on the property and casualty side. And you know what? Maybe you, Paul, can be a part of my plans. You know what? Not You're not the first person that's had that idea before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, so we answered a lot of questions about leadership and about goodness in the book. Is there anything that sort of surfaced for you that, that new questions you have that didn't get answered in the book? Um, I thought about this a lot, but there was a few where I wrote questions, but then we kind of answered them throughout our discussion. Okay. And so one is you want to keep people involved in the decision-making like we talked about as well Mm -hmm. and having people's voice be heard. But where do you think the line is? You can't make everyone Mm -hmm. happy. Mm -hmm. Not... Everyone has different roles and different opinions. And so I'm wondering, I know, I think they dove into it a little. In That's the book, a very but. insightful question. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I had a conversation with a client this morning before this podcast about this. Uh, what people will respect, will respect the most is where you tell them where the line is. Yeah, that's true. Where you that's say, true. okay, you know what? I get it. I know we've talked about this, that, and the other thing, but ultimately this is my accountability. Mm-hmm. And you know what? This is where I'm not willing to move. Mm-hmm. And and the answers usually are, okay, I can deal with that. Even if I don't agree with it, as long as you tell me where that line is, I will respect it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the most important thing about the decision-making process. We call it timely and transparent. Yeah. People get frustrated if they can't figure out when the decision is coming. And specifically, if they can't see why it's being delayed, if it's all if it's mysterious. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that we all have the internet in our pockets and we can get information at speed of light. Mm-hmm. If you can't get a decision made on something that's important to you, it's it's really, really frustrating. Yeah. But if you know what the decision making rules are and when it's coming, you can handle it. I like that. That's a good answer. Yeah, absolutely. It in it's uh I think um, that's probably one of the most important pieces in, of the research in this book that relates to the concept of fairness. Mm-hmm. And if people feel like they're being treated fairly, they will extend the benefit of the doubt. And we think that's really important mm-hmm. for the goodness concept. Something that we talked about, I don't, it just, this kind of relates, but not really, but the word fairness. Yeah. And that was another huge discussion we had is oh, because cool. growing up, some people's parents, there's like a few people in the room <laughs> where they would say, be like that's not fair. They'd be like, life isn't fair. Yeah. And oh, I'm trying to remember exactly Johan's word, but he was like, that's not true. He was like, life can be fair or something along those lines. And so that was another thing that we took away. It was fairness and what that means to you and what that means to you moving forward. Okay, so we're running to the end of the time on this podcast, Olivia. One of the specific things that we do in all the different strategies with this podcast is to land on things that we learned Mm -hmm. in the process. We call them actionable insights or the carpe diem moments. Yep. So in the process of preparing for doing your first podcast and participating here with me, what, what, what is one of the actionable insights that you learned that you're going to take away and do differently? I think my biggest takeaway from the book and from this today is how I approach situations. Okay. I think it's easy to kind of go and fall into bad habits of being competitive or not being honest or being nervous. And I think my actionable insight is the way I approach a room and these experiences is I want to be honest from the beginning and clear about my intentions. And I don't want to go in and think of what these people can do for me, but more of what I can do for them. And I think that's going to be my first step is communicating how I can help others and really looking for what they can help me with as well. If that answers your question. It it does. And so my 
actionable insight is that I am really enjoying hearing the work that we did to middle 50s white males. <laughs> I'm really, really fascinated by the energy that's coming from you. Yeah. You know, you're a high school, or excuse me, a college senior yeah. with aspirations in sales. And I mm -hmm. find your level of intensity and commitment and enthusiasm for what you learned in this book to be really inspiring to me. And I need to spend more time talking about goodness pays with people your age. Yeah. That's my actionable insight. So again, it was just really impactful and really inspiring to all of us. We had conversations about this book after the book club and really even when we dove into our work. And so again, I want to thanks, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast today. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so thank you for being in our listening audience, whether you're exercising or you're on an airplane or you're driving in a long commute. We really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to dive deeper into learning how to be a good leader, learning how goodness pays. And of course, you can find out more about Good Leadership Enterprises at goodleadership.com. And you can get the book at howgoodnesspays.com. Thank you very much. We will talk with you soon.